0: This is Tom Harvey, the Economy Guy. Welcome to the world of macroeconomics and how it affects you. I am looking at the world's economics, trying to interpret them, and more importantly, wondering where they are going and what they are going to do to us in particular. So this is your window into that world. I don't give any personal financial advice. I just give information and facts as I see them. And occasionally my opinions. I want this to be an educational show for you, so you can learn to think for yourself and make your own great financial decisions. Please enjoy it, and welcome. It is Sunday, February the 21st, and this is the Economy Guy coming your way one more time. We've got a uh, an action-packed program today five sections. The first one is kind of a news update, and kind I of hit around different things. Most of it, it is economic news. that is of important occasion. Now, there, there's something that's uh, fun to talk about and listen to. Uh, second section, that's the first section, uh, is the uh, a market summary. I'll summarize very quickly what's happened in the markets. Third section is um, and, uh, other indicators uh, that... Uh, are showing that the stock market is just way too high. I, I mean, I continue on that bandwagon. I have a couple more just to add to the list because they, they're just all over the place. You can't walk around without stumbling across it. The fourth section will be the uh, option hedging. In other words, how do you protect yourself from a market crash? You can do it with option hedging. I'm going to talk about that as a strategy. So you, uh, It's kind of an introduction to what is what are options. Uh, And we'll see how that goes. And the fifth and last section, one of my favorite, of course, is the six precursors to the market meltdown. I will review all six of those indicators to show where we stand. Is the uh, market crash coming imminently or not, like last week? So, with that, let's move on to the first section. This is section number one, the news. Hooray for the news. Let's just hit it. Well, as you know, interest rates, as measured by the 10-year Treasury, are going up, and economists around the United States are trying to figure out why, and so the smart guys have come out with their idea of what's happening. They think they're anticipating that the Fed is going, are going to raise interest rates in 2023, and they're going to raise it by a half a percent in 2023, and that's what's causing interest rates to go up now. Now, that seems uh, very close to insane to me, very close, very very close, maybe just insane. Uh, I'll just say not even close. It is. So this is really a, uh, a question of what's causing the interest rates to go up. My opinion is people are demanding more interest they will not buy the 10-year treasury that that's the one we're looking at very closely without it paying more interest the way it pays more interest is you buy it at a lower price the price goes down the interest rate goes up and vice versa they're inversely relation proportional to one another you need to really get that in your brain solidly because it is kind of confusing one goes up one goes down but they are saying that, uh, oh my god, it's uh I, I, is, this, is this a chicken or an egg? Did the chicken come first or did the egg come first? This is really what they're saying. Uh it's it's is the actual 10-year rising versus a prediction of the future. Is the prediction of the future causing the interest rate to rise or is the Rates are rising, and therefore they're predicting it's coming in the future. I think that's it, and I think that the economists are just making up a story. That's my opinion. Okay, next story. This is a quick one. The Japanese and Chinese stock markets are hitting all-time highs, just like the United States is. That's a short news article, but it's interesting that the other world stock markets are booming. And, let's see. Unemployment claims in the United States, that's how many people each week uh, claim unemployment, has been level. The number of people claiming every week has been more or less level for the last five months. That's 20 times four, at least 20 weeks, level. Now what you would expect in an improving economy is that that the number of unemployment claims would go down with time. It's not happening. It's a a sign of a, a sick economy uh and uh there's no doubt in my mind these people are in the service industry you know restaurants hotels airlines well, you know travel you name it those uh those are the ones hit hardest by the covid now how about how about the word forbearance does that mean anything to anyone well fannie mae and freddie mac uh, those are the uh, government agencies that bundle mortgages together and sell them out as mortgage backed securities uh They said during COVID, when COVID hit, they said, oh my God, people won't be able to pay, so we're going to allow them to postpone their payment. That is what forbearance means, postpone your payment. But you have to make it up sometimes. So now they're kind of assessing where people are that haven't paid, those people that are in forbearance. And and they've come out and said, hmm, by the end of the year... You're going to see uh, uh, quite a few short sales and foreclosures and a lot more supply of houses coming on the market. So I don't think that is going to happen soon, in my personal opinion. I think they're correct. Forbearance will have its uh, impact on the housing market. But I think it will be coming uh, the second half of the year to the end of the year. And the last article to talk about is the Texas cold winter. You're seeing it all over the news, aren't you? Well, here's a couple of interesting little tidbits. Trivia. Put this in the trivia pipe and smoke it. Okay, it's uh, It's cold in Texas. It's very cold in Texas. But did you know that it was even colder in Texas twice before in the history books? Once in 1905 and once in 1933. Yet the experts are saying... This time it's cold because of global warming. Which is kind of, you know, a contradiction in terms, but they do have rationale for it, but their rationale does not stack up against these other two things. I don't think global warming was around in 1905, or even 1933, unless something happened that I don't know about, but isn't that interesting? So, something to talk to your neighbors about. And, in addition to the Texas They had such an energy problem in Texas. You know, the electrical grid almost collapsed in Texas. That would have been a true disaster. People are freezing to death. That's true. The gas pipelines froze up so they weren't getting gas. And because of that, and the windmills stopped turning. That didn't help either. And and because of that, the gas price, natural gas price, which used to be $2.30 on January 1st, turned out to be $400 from $2.36 to $400 on the 17th of February. Now, there's some gouging going on. I think that's a de- my definition of gouging, but it is, that's, those are the statistics I'm just reporting. So, that's it for the news. I hope you enjoyed that. Let's move on to section two. And now for section two, this is the market wrap. Let's just hit it fast. The Dow Jones ended at about 31,500. That's about up another 100 points. That shows a very strong market. Another pushing high, high, you know, highest high, 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 hi. how are you today? I'm fine, okay. And that, so the stocks are really, really strong. The 10-year treasury, we're going to talk about that. A week ago Friday, it was 1.20%. This last Friday, it was 1.34%. And that's a wow to me. Personally speaking, that's a wow. For the last 40 years, I've been watching interest rates, the U.S. interest rates, seriously. And so I'm a student of interest rates. This is one of the fastest-moving, important interest rates I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, this this is really moving quickly and It's significant. I, I'm just saying that for your own benefit. It's my own spin on what I see going on right now Third is the dollar. The dollar was uh, sideways against the euro it was The dollar was down slightly against the pound and the yen all in all kind of sideways It hasn't uh, really made a major move down to which would be inflationary so I haven't seen that oil $59 a barrel uh, oil also. I'm not going to worry about oil being inflationary until it gets above 60. When it goes above 60, I think you're going to start seeing uh, the incremental increase in the gasoline prices at the pump uh, being added. So uh, so be it. Gold. Gold had a really tough week. It was down 40 bucks to 1785. Not good, uh, but I'm not worried. Gold's, the fundamentals have not changed one iota for gold and uh and just as a an aside benefit for those of you who like gold uh for the last uh the last 50 years 50 years of gold what's the gold history in the last 50 years it's gone up 11 percent a year on average for the last 50 years that's not bad so that's it folks for section two onward to section three Section three, let's get on with it. There's two new indicators. Uh, They're they're indicators showing the markets really high. The first one's short interest. There's kind of an interesting term. What is short interest? It's a measure of the number of shares that have been shorted. And uh, it's either the total number of shares or it's a percentage of all the shares available. If you look at percentages, a year ago it was about 4% of all the shares were shorted, and currently it's about 3%. Now, there's there's less shorting going on now overall in in the market. And what that is is a very bullish, bullish indicator. It says the market's going higher. Everybody's saying the market's going higher. But that's what we said, right? There's a lot of exuberance in the market. And uh, this is another indication of that exuberance. And there's a, a, a little thing here, which I'm not, personally not going to follow. But if you want to, feel free. And that is, if there's... If there are big fluctuations in the short interest, in other words, all of a sudden there's a lot more than 3% and then less and up and down, a lot of fluctuations in short interest, that is an indicator of the market direction changing. That's what happens when you get to a top or a bottom. So uh, that, that was just a kind of an interesting sideline. The second indicator I wanted to talk about are penny stocks. What are penny stocks? Penny stocks are stocks that cost less than $1. In other words, they cost pennies. So penny stocks are... Uh, the volume of people trading in penny stocks today is 10 to 20 times what they normally were a year ago. I mean, people are really going after this. So, uh, And generally, people who go after penny stocks are not too... Uh, sophisticated in, in doing this. Uh, very dangerous, very, very dangerous investing in penny stocks. So it's um, another sign that the big increase in volume on penny stocks is another big increase of the risk in the market. That's really my opinion here. So uh, take that for what it's worth. Those are the two indicators today and on to part so on to section four, that's going to be the I, my options hedging. What is that? But let's start with what the experts say the return of investments will be over the next seven years. Some real high-powered guys have come out and said, hey, based on a whole bunch of guesses of what's going to happen over the next seven years, here's what will happen to your current investments. If you have uh, owned large companies in U.S. stocks, you, over the next seven years, you will lose uh, 6.2% a year of your money. If you own small companies, you will lose 7.9% of your money every year. If you own US bonds, you will lose 3.1% of your money every year. And if you have cash, you will lose three-tenths of a percent of your money every year. And it's because they're looking at real returns. Real returns are the returns that you get on the money minus inflation. And uh, and that's the right way to be looking at it. So what that's saying is, hey, without something horrible happening like COVID or a war, or God knows what else coming in, and just the normal things that are happening in the economy today, things really look lousy for investing over the next seven years. So what does that tell you? I mean, it tells me that the market's too high. That's what it tells me. We need a correction. We really need a correction. Economy needs a correction. Okay, on to option hedging. What does that mean? What is it, option hedging? Well here, I'd like you to think about, think about homeowner insurance. It's Homeowner insurance is something that you happily pay for because it covers floods and wind damage and roofs being blown off and trees being blown through your window and all that stuff that happens that costs a lot of money. And so you can make a claim against your insurance and when Damage is really high. It covers the major damage. Hey, You have a deductible and you're happily pay the deductible because it's a small amount of money and it keeps your premium down, but uh, that's what it is. It's insurance. Option hedging is the same thing. And What what I'm looking at here, what am I saying? I'm saying, hey, if you're in a position where you own a bunch of stocks and they're at nice all-time highs and you're worried that the market's gonna crack, how do you protect those stocks? What I mean, say you want to hold on to the stocks. Say you have you bought them a long time ago. You have a huge amount of uh, profit built into them. You don't want to sell them now because the tax liability would be horrible. Incidentally, I personally don't believe in ever making a financial decision based on taxes. So I'll just throw that out for what it's worth. But a lot of people do consider taxes, and you know, so be it. That saves them a few few cents. Um, okay, so. So people want to hang on to their stocks. Well, how do they protect themselves against a huge loss like a market crash? Well, that's what option hedging is. It's like an insurance you buy. So what is it? It's an option. It's uh, so when the bad stuff happens, you sell your option, and you and it pays you back basically the loss that you have. And now let me give you an example of a typical option strategy that people have. For the sake of this example, I'm just going to use an ETF called SPY, which represents the S&P 500. It's the average value of the S&P 500. A lot of people own SPY, SPY. The current value of SPY is what the value of the S&P 500 is, is 39.25. But say that you think that the, that S&P 500 is going to fall from 39.25 down to 2000 Big fall, big fall. Well, how do you protect yourself against that? Well, you can, uh, incidentally, the SPY ETF for that a $39.25 costs $392.50. One-tenth of the value is so one-tenth is kind of interesting there to confuse the uninitiated, but it's, that's the way they do it. Uh, So say you wanted to protect it between today and the end of 2021. You want to have a a long-term put. In other words, the market could crack any time this year. That's a long time, so it's 10 months to go. Uh, And say you don't mind losing the first 10% of the fall, but everything after that you want to protect yourself against. Well, you can buy a put. It costs you today, it would cost you $21.35 per ETF. And now that's about 5.45% of the cost of, of the value of your investment. That's a very high premium to be paying for insurance, very high. So I don't like that. But part of the strategy is if you're assuming that it's going to go down and not up, you can, in addition to buying uh, the put, you can sell a call. You can say, hey, it's not going to go up. It's at 39.25 now so it's not going to go up beyond say 4000 or 4100 and i'm going to set, sell calls for that so well in fact let's do one for uh 4,310, 4310 that's very hot much higher than it is today so you can sell calls today and and you will be paid for selling that call 11 dollars and 43 cents so that the actual cost of buying your puts is your cost of $21.37 minus the amount you got for the calls, which is $11.43 or roughly $10 per share is what you are actually paying for the protection you're getting, which is now 2.55% per share, which is a much more reasonable than that 5.5%. So that gives you an idea. And then what happens is say it, your your dream comes true and the market cracks and it goes down, you lose the first 10% because that was your plan. But everything beyond that, you're reimbursed on through that put that you bought. You'll, you'll get that money back. So you'll, you won't lose more than 10%, and uh, which is better than doing nothing and just riding the market down. A lot of people in a down market will get trapped uh, in, in it going down under the hope that it will come back. And if it doesn't, they lost now here's my uh, here's my warning here that if you ever consider doing options and options are extremely complex they if you're going to do options they take a lot of time and attention it's not something you can buy and forget about like stocks you have to be watching it all the time and it takes a good partner that's going to execute the orders for you, somebody that you can really trust that's going to do it right and knows how to put those orders in for you into the market that get executed at the right point. So that is uh, a short uh, lesson in in option hedging on how to protect yourself. Uh, I personally do not recommend it. I'll just finish that with my own personal feeling. I mean, I've read about this. I understand what they're saying, etc. I think option hedging is written by people that trade options, sell options, market makers, brokers, and they're making a lot of commission on that. And so they recommend doing things like this. I think, you know, why don't you just sell all your stocks and go to cash? You don't lose anything. You don't gain anything in the near term, but you don't lose anything either. That's my feeling, but... Who am I? Let's go on to section five. And on to section five, which are the six precursors to a market crash. What will happen before the market crashes, maybe? Let's go through each of the six and I'll explain what's happening. First one, the 10-year treasury bond. I reported in the market wrap that, uh, hey, it's a 1.34 and a massive jump over the 1.20 a week before, and it's moving fast. Now, remember, I reported that. I consider that and this is now really something to be watching. Why do I say that? Um, I don't see this being the precursor of, the, of a market crack coming. It could be, but I don't see that yet. What I do see is a lot of pressure on the Fed happening right now. The Fed wants inflation to go up. They want a lot of things to go up. They do not want higher interest rates right now, uh, in spite of any rhetoric they may be may having on the, on the subject. So uh, the Fed has to be worried. At some point when interest rates get too high, they have to act, and their acting will be to print a lot more money. That's their only solution of bringing interest rates down. Their ability to bring the 10-year down is to buy, to purchase 10 years. They're buying them. uh, The price goes up. The interest rate comes down. So if they came in and they printed a lot of money and bought a whole bunch of those 10-year notes and put them on their uh, balance sheet, then uh, they could actually bring it down. And they try to be doing that, but they're losing that battle today. So that would be a change in action by the Fed. Remember, one of our other things is the Fed changes things the interest rate that's going up right now may force the Fed's hand. It may force them to do something. So right now, this first precursor is one to continue watching. This is a, a major yellow. It's a flashing yellow night light. It's not red yet, but it's flashing yellow. It's not just solid. It's flashing, which means a little more dangerous. Okay, so this was a, that's a big one. Second one, high-yield bonds. Okay, um, I, I, I wanted to actually increase the uh, ability to look at high-yield bonds, because the, in, looking for a decrease in the uh, value or an increase in the interest rate of high-yield bonds is what I said you were looking for. But there's an, a second thing that you can be looking for. If you look at the plot of this high-yield bonds over time and you compare it to a 50-day moving average of that, right now the price of that is higher than the 50-day moving average. When the price comes below the 50 day, mo- day moving average and stays below it, it doesn't just come down and up, or you know, which it can do, but if it stays below and continues to go below it, that is a definite indication of the market cracking. And so that's something I'm going to be watching. I just wanted you to know that. Right now, uh, the uh, value is higher than the 50 day moving average and increasing or going sideways, so no problems, no problems right now. U.S. dollar going sideways, uh, no problems. There's no uh, For the U.S. dollar, there's nothing important to watch on the U.S. dollar. It's going sideways. The U.S. dollar will be an indication of upcoming inflation if the dollar value falls. But right now, no problem. Number four, the consumer price index or inflation rate uh, hasn't changed. It just comes out once a month. It was 1.4. Again, I'm not going to get excited about it until it's more than 2%. So inflation has not hit yet officially. Uh, the fifth one, the federal policy changes. So has the Fed changed their policy? You know, well, what is their policy? The uh, answer is they're buying $120 billion of treasuries and $60 billion worth of uh, mortgage-backed securities every month. And that's a lot. And they're printing money to buy those. So they're printing 120 plus 60, yes, $180 billion worth of new money every month. And uh, so, but they haven't changed that. And then their other major policy that they're going with right now to watch is that their interest rate is zero. That's the short-term interest rate. So uh, there's no change in that. So they're not doing anything else. The sixth precursor is the Bluebird, something coming out of uh, left field that... uh, we don't expect, and there was nothing that came out of left field that we don't expect. I mean, we did have uh, this major crisis going on in Texas with the freeze, and that was a a human catastrophe, most definitely, and the electrical grid almost stopped. It came apparently, according to the news, it came very close to turning off all electricity in Texas. That would have been another human disaster, Uh, but it didn't. and the, even if it did, it wouldn't have had the economic impact of a bluebird that I'm looking for or what would cause the market to go down. But I'd be watching that because it is a major event. So um, no, no bluebird, n- nothing to watch there. So I want to make a, an invitation to the listeners right now. And that is if you have any uh, additional ideas of things that uh, might cause the market to crack, a precursor, you know, what, what comes before the market falling down, Please send them to me. Uh, Send them, email them to me. My email address is TomHarvey9526 at gmail.com. I'd love to get them and uh, acknowledge uh, your good thoughts. And with that, I say farewell for another week of excitement in the world of economy. Can you ever believe that economy can be exciting? Woohoo! is. Goodbye. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to hit that subscription button. This is Tom Harvey. I'm an investor and not a financial advisor. Nothing should be construed as advice or solicitation to make a trade in any market, and I disclaim any responsibility for any negative effect of decisions made by the listeners.